Um, if you could turn to page 1016 in your green Bibles, you will find that uh, we're looking at uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Uh, and just to put it into context for you for a moment, Jesus is um, speaking to the Jews, but especially to some Pharisees that were there, super religious people. Uh, <clears throat> So it's page uh, 1016, it's John 10, and we're starting at verse 11. John 10, verse 11. You got that. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, may the words spoken this morning be your words, and may you touch and challenge our hearts as we seek to understand the role of Jesus as our Good Shepherd. Amen. So this morning we are continuing with the theme of the I Am sayings in John's Gospel, and moving to look at what Jesus meant when he said, I am the Good Shepherd. Firstly, though, I wanted to begin by thanking you for making me so welcome in such a short space of time. I can't believe that I'm already and yet only two weeks into my placement here. I thank especially the Cowans who've made me so welcome in their home and given me such a hospitable place to go home to each day. I thank you all for all you've taught me so far, for your testimonies and for your stories. But I have only been at the church for two weeks, and in two weeks, I, I leave again. And so I've had a level of anonymity, which in many ways, for me, is good. You don't know all the tales from my past. Some from St. D. Central know a few more. You've not seen me at my worst, and hopefully you've not worked out too many of my negative qualities. But I can assure you that if there were some of the people here today who know me well, they'll be able to agree, agree on one of my bad points. And in fact, I went out for dinner with a couple of them on Friday night and said, what's my worst quality? 
Um, and they told me, and it was this, and it is that I can at times be unbelievably stubborn. Now, I, I, I don't really like that word. I like to think of myself as independent, able to cope on my own. I'll accept focused or determined, but single-minded or stubborn, they don't sound so good to me. But I do know that over the last few months, God has really been challenging me on this area. God wants me to stop being stubborn and to admit that I am stubborn. But that is a really hard thing for a stubborn person to do. It's not a new situation for God and me, and we've been having a similar discussion for a few years now, though thankfully he is more patient than I am stubborn. However, over the years I have learned that one of the roles that I find hardest to accept or even to relate to is of Jesus as shepherd. And when I was given the sermon list of what I could talk on, I kind of knew this was the one I had to take. I've been reluctant to concede that I need a shepherd, to accept that just maybe having Jesus look out for me and watch over me is a good thing. Even worse was the concept I needed to learn how to follow, how to be a good sheep. I knew where I was going in life, what I was going to do and how I was going to get there. I had a career plan, I was doing really well, I had a lovely flat, great friends, I didn't need or want God. In time, I came to learn that I did need him, and a fabulous church and a relationship with Jesus were added to the things in my life that brought joy. Life was going really well, and then God started calling me, and I could hear his voice, and he said, maybe not teaching forever, and he began to call me into ministry. Being stubborn, it took some time, and and I laid down some ground rules. I would do whatever he wanted. He could have whatever he wanted, as long as I could keep my job, my flat, my friends, and, and my church. Other than that, he could work out the details, and I'd willingly follow him wherever he wanted me to go. And um, God did work it all out. He worked on me. And, and I learned to follow Jesus, and I learned that I was never going to be the map reader or the voice of the sat-nav that got to tell Jesus where we were going. I learned that it was his job to set the route and mine to follow. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus did not just say he was a shepherd, he made it really clear that he's a good shepherd. And these words imply that there are bad shepherds, and there were, both in the day of Jesus and in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. Where if you read chapter 34, you'll find it dedicated to the telling of God's displeasure with the shepherds of Israel and of his primary concern being for the flock. Ezekiel releases the prophecy he's been given and he tells of how angry God is with the bad shepherds because they fed themselves but they didn't feed the flock. They slaughtered the fat sheep, the ones dressed in fine woolen garments, but they didn't feed the flock. They didn't care for the sick, the diseased, or the broken sheep. And they did not seek the lost or the scattered sheep. And finally, the shepherds of Israel dominated the flock with force and severity. The teachers and leaders of Israel have been taking care of themselves rather than taking care of the people. Ezekiel pronounces that a true shepherd the Messiah, would come to take care of the people as the other leaders were supposed to do.
So in John 10, when Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd and implies that there are bad shepherds too, those who hear him instantly recognize he's indicting the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the chief priest for spiritual corruption. At the same time, Jesus is again establishing that he is the promised one. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. He is the long-awaited shepherd. When we think of Jesus as shepherds, our minds so easily turn to Psalm 23, which we'll read, part to, which we'll read from at the start. It's a psalm that's so often used at funerals. But to assign it solely to that role means we sometimes miss out on all that it teaches about us being followers. We will go through hard times, and yet we don't need to be afraid, because Jesus is a good shepherd, and he takes us to the quiet waters, and he restores our soul. Jesus comes looking for us when we wander off on our own, and he brings us back to a safe place. Jesus has our best interests at heart, and we are called to follow him, not because we are passive or frightened, but because we are obedient followers who are wise enough to follow the one who will lead us in right ways. In John 10, Jesus' accusation is that the hired hand does the shepherd's job for personal gain and not for the sake of the sheep. When the hired hand sees the threat to the flock, he runs away and he leaves the sheep and he leaves them defenseless and open to attack and vulnerable to being scattered. The flock is strong and has better defences when it stays together. Sheep naturally want to be in flocks and they become distressed when they're separated from one another. The hired hand does not care sufficiently for the sheep to stay and protect them, to fight for them, to keep them together. And he is certainly not prepared to risk his life for them. But Jesus says there is a different kind of shepherd, a good shepherd. As interested as the bad shepherd is in his own prophet, the good shepherd is interested in the sheep. And there are three reasons Jesus gives us for being a good shepherd. In verse 14, he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. In verse 15, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And in verse 16, he says, I have other sheep. I must bring them also. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. That's a picture of relationship, of time spent together, of trust, of care, of interest in those under his watch and of personal knowledge of them. This is not a long distance relationship. This is not cold professionalism. This is an intimate understanding of which sheep likes to run ahead, of which lambs are the most playful, of which ewes the most attentive, and of which rams the most defensive. This is a shepherd who knows his sheep, calls their names and counts their heads when they enter and when they leave the sheepfold. This is a shepherd who loves his sheep. It's not just a job, it's not just a meal ticket. It's the shepherd's life because they are his sheep. The sheep exist because he protects them, he guards them, he searches for them, and he brings them home each night. And even better, Jesus is able to tell the sheep apart from one another. And I have no idea how he's able to do that. 
Two and a half years ago, my sister-in-law had identical triplet girls. They were, and still are, truly beautiful. But when they were born, they looked so similar, no one was able to tell them apart. I think you'll see them. Now I can tell you that it's Sophie Emily Grace. And the only way I can tell you is because whenever the three are laid down, they always go in that order. <laughs> but sometimes we just had two of them. And, and we knew that we were going to look back in photos and want to know who was who. So we had another method of identifying them. Also shows you how tiny they were. So Sophie and Grace. I think Emily was still in hospital at that point. So it wasn't, she was missed out. But we couldn't tell them apart, thanks very much. The only way any of us knew how to tell them apart was by looking at their toenails. Each had their big toenail painted a different colour. <laughs> Emily was green, Sophie was blue, and Grace was pink. Although they don't have the same coloured dinner plates, it's confusing now. But very quickly, their mum soon knew who was who. She was able to identify the tiniest difference in their face or their hair. Within a couple of weeks, Naomi was even able to tell who was crying from the sound of the cry, even though she wasn't in the same room as them. The thing is, Naomi has and had the most intimate relationship with them. She fed them, she nurtures them, she washes them, she cuddled them, she played with them. My brother never quite sussed it. He's getting there, but they're two and a half now, and he cheats and he calls their name, and he turns to see who looks up or who comes running, and if he gets it wrong, he pretends he's joking. But they're two and a half, and they know he's not. <laughs> and even I can tell them apart now. The thing is, though, the girls know his voice, and they hear and they respond, and when he comes from home from work, and they hear him call hello, their faces light up. They know the sound of their father's voice, and they delight in it. We can have that same sort of relationship with Jesus. If he walked in here today, he would literally be able to call each of you by name. Your first name, your middle name, more than one middle name if you've got it, your surnames, your maiden names. Jesus is the good shepherd because he loves us so much. He knows every detail about us. He knows us personally and individually. We're not just a mass of people to him. Jesus knows our voices, and he hears us when we call him, when we cry out to him, when we whisper to him. And even when we have no words, he hears the cries of our heart. The challenge for us is to think about how well we know his voice, how much time we spend listening to him and hearing what he is saying to us. Secondly, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. This quality of the shepherd really has a double meaning. Jesus, in this same chapter, has referred to himself as the sheep gate. And when the sheep were out in the pastures, the custom was for the shepherd to usher them into the sheepfold each night. And this was a kind of stacked stone compound, high enough to keep them in. But it didn't have a door, and the shepherd literally lay down in the opening and became the sheep gate. Nothing went in or came out unless past that shepherd. But of course, Jesus really does lay down his life for the sheep. And Jesus makes it clear here in John 10 that he is laying down his life of his own accord. He's choosing to give his life for the sheep, and that is why the Father loves him.
This parable is not just a story of God's love for the people at that moment, but it is also pointing to the events which are just ahead. In previous chapters in John's Gospel, Jesus has been facing death threats. And now Jesus is declaring that his violent death is not just a possibility, but it is his vocation. How else can Jesus explain this to people than with his down-to-earth analogy of a shepherd and his sheep? Jesus was gifted in his use of accessible imagery that the people of the time could relate to. Jesus is making it clear that the people were in danger and that he would stand before them, he would protect them, and he would take the danger upon himself if necessary. As we know now, it was necessary for Jesus to do that. And he did lay down his life for all of us and for each of us. Thirdly, Jesus is the good shepherd because he says, I have other sheep and I must bring them also. The good shepherd is concerned for all the sheep and for sheep in general and not just the ones already in his sheepfold. Scholars have often interpreted this statement of Jesus to mean that Jesus is not there just to teach the Jews, but to teach the Gentiles as well. The Gentiles heard the gospel and they and we responded. But I think Jesus is saying something bigger as well. I think he's saying there's some unlikely sheep, the unclean, the poor, the diseased, the lame, the weak, the oppressed. These are my sheep too. Not just the upright and the righteous and the powerful and the ones like us. In John 4, we saw Jesus at the well talking to the Samaritan woman with many husbands. And in John 5, he healed the invalid at Bethesda at the pool. Each in their own ways had been rejected by society and would not have been considered potential recipients of the good news. But Jesus taught, he showed love and he brought healing to each of them. The Good Shepherd cares for all the sheep and not just the ones in his sheepfold. Jesus is not prepared to be contained by the fences we sometimes build, by our ideas of who should and could be saved, who we think it is safe to have in our churches. No one is lost from Jesus' love, no one too messed up, too broken or too angry. All can enter into a loving relationship with Jesus. I should know. Ten years ago, after all sorts of pretty bad things happening in my life, I vowed I was never, ever going to enter a church again. God was probably the imagined figure of crazy people, and if he did exist, he was malevolent and he was not good. And Christians, well, they were just about the worst people in the world. Clearly, things must have changed. God called me. And he called me to a church who taught me about Jesus. And he taught me, they taught me about Jesus being my good shepherd. And he called me into a safe place. In many ways, I think Jesus called me into this placement at this church because he knew what I needed at this time. Jesus knows us. He loves us so much he laid down his life for us. He comes looking for us and he longs to bring us into relationship with him. The fact that Jesus compared himself to a shepherd would have been shocking to the people at the time. The shepherds were the lowest of the low. They were the outcasts of society. They were unclean. 
They couldn't worship God for the assembly of Israel. They were the marginalized. They did the dirty work and they lived with the herds out in the pastures. They did the job no one else wanted to do. People have been waiting for a great king, their promised Messiah. He was going to lead them in victory against the ruling powers. He would overthrow the Romans and he would bring revolts. Jesus is our promised one, but he didn't come like that. He is the one we're longing for. He was the one they were waiting for. But he comes much more humbly. He comes as a shepherd to tend and care for his flock. And he asks us to follow him. He did not come claiming to be superior and demanding obedience. He came as a man amongst humanity. And he comes offering himself for us. Importantly, Jesus comes for all of us. Jesus as shepherd is a role that is important for us all, even if we've been following him for years. It's a role that's especially important when we may feel lost and far away, or maybe when we feel we've never been found. Maybe we've got into the habit of following without really thinking about it. Have you ever driven somewhere or walked somewhere, and when you got there, you think, I can't remember the journey? I can't remember the big traffic lights, that horrendous roundabout, the level crossing. Somehow we've got there and we don't remember how. Maybe that's where you are now. Maybe we're coming along on Sundays, walking a Christian life, but actually stopped really looking at the shepherd, at the one we're meant to be following, to see where he is trying to lead us. It's so easy to get into a rhythm or a routine that we do and say some things on autopilot forgetting the significance of what we're really saying or doing. Or maybe we're where we can so easily find ourselves. When we're not actually following Jesus anymore, we're following those around us and just moving along with the rest of the flock. We know we're part of the flock, but we've forgotten the real reason why we come to church each week. Maybe we've even stopped listening to the voice of Jesus and we're not even sure what it sounds like anymore. We come because we want to be part of the group. We like being with one another. Or maybe we're afraid of what someone might say if we just don't come anymore. But we no longer know how to hear the voice of the shepherd. And we're not even sure he hears us when we do try and speak to him. Or maybe you've never actually decided to follow Jesus for yourself. Maybe you've never truly believed that Jesus loves you, that he desires to be in relationship with you, and that he laid down his life for you. The good news, though, is that Jesus is here. He is speaking to us, and he longs for us to enter into relationship with him, to renew our relationship with him, or to go deeper into relationship with him. Jesus hears us when we call him. He knows our voices and he is the good shepherd. There is nothing to fear. Jesus is a good shepherd who loves us, will take care of us, and will lead us to the quiet places and restore our souls. He knows us by name, he calls us by name, and he lay down his life for us. Let us pray. Amen.